This is Life Change Church in Muskegon, Michigan. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for giving us your ears while you mow the lawn, kayak, do the dishes, or sit with the knitting circle. Watch us on Facebook Live Sunday mornings at 9.30 or subscribe to the weekly podcast at mylifechangechurch.tv. This is Pastor Ron Rands. Well, thank you for joining with us today. I know that many of you will be live streaming, but there will be many more of you connecting with us throughout the week and by invitation. I named this message or titled this message, The Workout. And what I want to share with you today about is God turned for the good. He turns things for the good. And his plan is always to turn things out for the good, even though your circumstances may not be very good. Many of us are going through frustration. Uh, In fact, most of the time I find talking and even conversational uh, is always about frustration. And, And then to be honest with you, I'm, like most, wanting this season to get over with. Yet God is saying, what are you learning in this season? What are you receiving? I believe that the word of the Lord is that God is going to put an inpouring in the body of Christ so that there will be a season of outpouring. This is that season where we should be receiving an inpouring of the Lord. So how do we get that? How do we receive that? When we're talking about today about uh, promises, in fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says for us to partake of the divine nature, which means to act like Christ, to have the mind of Christ, is to literally say that to let these precious promises take ownership in our life. So t- today, just really simple, number one is, is having a winning attitude. In order to receive the promises of the Lord, you're going to have to always have a winning attitude. And a winning attitude is an attitude of gratitude. And I don't want to take a lot of time on that. I've spoken so many times, but I will reference one passage, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Now I want to be talking about what does it mean to be trusting the Lord in this season. And if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 37, and, and I'll turn there with you in just a, a few more moments. But before I do that, I want to reference a, a, a passage in the New Testament, a time period where Jesus was going through a, a, a perplexion, a time of rejection, if you will. In John chapter 7 verse 4, it records this one little moment of history, and I don't think many of us put ourselves in this um, moment with Jesus, or this this experience that Jesus had because many of us have this this typified picture of Jesus that everything just flowed perfectly because he was God in man and that he was always you know loved and always received and that the way we feel about Jesus the way everybody feels about Jesus but I want to give a moment where even his own brothers rejected him in John chapter 7 verse 4 it says you can't become famous this is his brothers talking to Jesus if you hide like this, if you, can do such, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world, even his brothers didn't believe in him. Now the, the beauty of that 
um, is this, is they didn't stay that way. James, in fact, he was called James the Just, who became the, the actual elder or pastor of the Ephesians church, is Jesus' brother, biological brother. Also, the book of Jude, Jesus' biological, um, actually said step, uh, stepbrother. The point I'm trying to make is this, is that there was this time when Jesus, who was the oldest in the family, and that he actually, when his father had passed on, he began to be the patriarch of that home. And so underneath his mom, you know, Mary, his leadership, at the same time, Jesus would begin the carpenter, and he would be working. He was showing all his brothers what it was like to be a man in the home. And now here he is, this leader, and he's now leading in the spirit. And he's receiving from his heavenly father. And one of the first expressions that he has is from his own siblings is rejection. We're going to pick up that from Genesis chapter 37. The same thing about another story, another history lesson talking about the, the history of Joseph. And before I get there, when again, my, one of my favorite passages is Romans 15 verse 4. Such things were written in scriptures long ago. To teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Today I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to reference in Hebrews chapter 11 as we go through um, the book of, actually, some chapters in Genesis, in the history of what we, records Joseph's life. Is that there are so many times where we don't understand and what we re live in this world is that if we believe for a promise then we expect to receive the promise we we look to God's kingdom almost like when we go to a restaurant that we we get seated in God's plan and we're seated in God's plan and we have God we have the Holy Spirit who is supposedly supposed to be waiting on us and then we put in our order and then we better receive. In fact, if we don't, we like if we're in a restaurant, we begin to get frustrated and complain. Yet I want to share with you that there should be so much on the order. There should be so much on the menu that the Holy Spirit gives to you. There's, there's no way possible that you could eat it all. And yet at the same time, God's wanting you to believe for it all. In Genesis chapter 37, let's begin this history. And then again, I'll allude to what I just spoke about. Genesis 37 verse 1. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers and the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Now, I don't want to go into the discussion of uh, having special uh, treatment and favoritism in a homestead. I believe that what's going on in this homestead is absolutely wrong. And yet there's no perfect home on the face of the earth. So don't think that you have to be a perfect father to bring out God's plan because that's not true. But in this scenario, we realize that there's a lot of craziness that goes on and God can still work through the craziness because his promises are not literally held by your perfection. His promises are held by faith. Verse 4, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word. One night, Joseph had a dream. 
And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to this dreamer, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed before me. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come and bow to the ground before? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. Very important little passage, very important little part of that. Even though there was a frustration going on in Jacob, there was also a moment where Jacob was conceiving that God had something else going on. Many of us are so caught up in the frustration like Joseph's brothers and we're not, meant, we're not picking up and wondering what God is going to do in this hour of your personal life and in the church as a whole. So let's talk about trusting God. A, trusting God will bring social distancing. All of us are being trained on social distancing forever. We've never even thought about what it would be like. But let me tell you something. There's going to be those moments where people do not want to socially or we actually would become socially distant from you because the promise of God that's alive in you. Sharing this dream, Joseph began to have such a social distance happen. Verse 18, we pick up in history. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him, threw him into a cistern. And now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up, saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing him? His blood would just give us guilty conscience. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites who were Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Let me share with you guys. Trusting God will bring trials. Many of us want to have, in fact, for We've literally sometimes as a, as a family and as believers, we've sold people this idea that we go from blessing to blessing without going from trial to trial or with it. Yes, we can go from blessing to blessing, but God wants us to go so many times from trial to trial because it produces who he is. It produces trust of who God is in our lives. And these trials will be lust, vengeance, Hatred, unforgiveness, jealousy, laziness, and the such. 
Verse 39, we pick up, chapter 39, I should say, we pick up the same history lesson, what continually grows in Joseph's life. Now here's Joseph who has a dream of God in his life, a promise of God. He didn't sit there, I don't, it doesn't record that he sat there and asked for this promise. But it records that there's, a, there's a, something bigger than life. There's some divine nature, some divine plan that's in this man. And it's not seeming to work out good for him. In fact, it's seeming like it's working hardships in his life. Chapter 39, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this, realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Picture this. You are mistreated. You're in a place where the promise of God is alive in your life, but everything and circumstances around your life seem to go awry. You are pushed away from your family, you're pushed away from your culture. The God that you know and the God that you worship is no longer really the God that you see. And yet at the same time, that promise is so alive and is bringing blessings on the outside. Other people are seeing that promise in your life. Are you allowing the frustration to be seen in your life? Are you allowing the promises of God? Because the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that those promises are the divine nature that God shows. Verse 4, this pleased Potiphar, so he made him Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smooth and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administration responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he, he didn't worry about anything except that what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and he's also a well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Here comes the trial. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Day after day, there may be pressures in your life. Day after day, there may be, it may not be a a situation of lust. It may be a situation of jealousy or anger or maliciousness or unforgiveness. Or there may be some things that are unfair in this situation. Many of us are facing, many of you going out there working, making less money than people that are unemployed. And I hear these things all the time. These story after story after story. And people are just so full of frustration. The media, and they're full of the frustration of the media. They're full of the frustration of what's going on. And one Christian is saying this about another Christian, even in the media. These things should not happen, body of Christ. One day, however, no one else, verse 11, was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come sleep with me. 
Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as she ran from the house. When she saw what she was holding in his cloak, when he, and, um, and he fled, she called out his servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband brought this Hebrew slave here to make fool of us. He came into my room and raped me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but left his cloak behind me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him his story, her story, that Hebrew slave you brought into this house and tried to come in and fooled around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Are you thankful in your circumstances? These unfair scenarios, people lying about you, people manufacturing things that haven't happened. In fact, people saying the exact opposite of the integrity you have. Are you trying to fight for your position and your posture? Or has God got your rear guard? Trusting God is a heart condition. Trusting God is a heart condition. God and it's, it's not an outward provision. We see this in this whole history lesson that trusting the Lord had nothing to do with his outside circumstances, but everything to do with the promise of God. Joseph is still holding on to a promise of God that's larger than life on the inside of him. God is the lover of your soul. God is your protector. God is your redeemer. God is your hope. He is your provision. He is your strength. He is, the, he is your tomorrow. He is the, the, he is the husband to the widow. God is a God of multi, multiplicity. And he will touch all of it's inside of you. He's the promise of God larger than your circumstance. And this historical lesson it is. And I'm going to give you a few more in a moment that it wasn't. In 1 Peter 1 verse 6 so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through these trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. Trusting God will bring tests in the world. We've been talking about this. These tests will either strengthen your faith or they will weaken your faith. We don't like to talk about these tests weakening our faith, but that is exactly what happens. They will either, there's no neutral ground. These tests will either weaken your faith or strengthen your faith. Some examples that we find, obviously the one we're reading in, in, in history about is Joseph. But what about John Mark? Or, you know, the gospel of Mark, who quit early on in his walk with God because of the hardships that he faced. Or Peter, when he, because of the disappointments in his life, because he denied Jesus, went back to fishing. He says, you know what, I'm, I, I just don't want to stay the course because I've disappointed God. Or James and John, 
Again, the disciples of God who were literally asked their mother to fight for what place they would have in heaven. What kind of position that they would have in heaven. Or even, with, I love the, the, the history lesson of Jonah. And how Jonah was a, a man, the whole book is recorded just in a few chapters. And how Jonah, who had the promise of God on the inside so alive, he says, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want the Ninevites to be saved. They're a terrible people. And what they deserve to be judged. And so he sails in a, the wrong direction. Why? Because the promise of God in Jonah was larger inside of him. And he knew who God was. And so he was resisting the God inside of him. The call of God, the promises of God. Because he was looking at the people. He's looking at the circumstances. They don't deserve what God has coming in their life. Is the frustration like it was in Jonah larger than the promise? These are things I'm asking myself. Is the frustration of what's going on or things that have gone on in, in my homestead or things that are going on in the church family, things that are going on in, in leaders, are, is the frustration greater? It reminds me of a, a book I wrote, or I'm sorry, I wrote, I read from uh, Joyce Meyer. And it talks about, and it was a book on grace. And you know, I don't remember a lot about what I read, but I remember one thing that the Holy Spirit just picked up and burned inside of my heart because it was so real to me. And it said, when you're in frustration, grace is not abounding in your life. How many times has God prayed through his, his apostles, his disciples, may grace and mercy abound. May grace, and I thought, frustration abounded in my life and not grace and so when the spirit of God inspired Joyce to write that chapter on grace it burned inside of me possibly for this hour today that I'm speaking is frustration burning in you or is grace his divine nature his influence burning in you Trusting God aims us at his heavenly kingdom and his plan to be seen in this world. Many of us have a different plan. Maybe we have a a different perspective or a way we see it materialize. This morning I was um, led to a, a verse that I've read many, many times. But again, how you know how the Holy Spirit can make something alive. In, 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 or even more alive. Maybe it was alive before, but all of a sudden it becomes even more alive or more explicit. Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 came more explicit, more alive, more expressionistic in my heart today. How much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people... They overthrew kingdoms, they ruled with justice, they received what God had promised them. That's where we like to stop, isn't it? We would love to stop this chapter and right there in verse 33 or maybe possibly 34 and just think that that's how God always works. But let me read on. Quench the flames of fire, escape death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in the battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back together, but others. I love that word, but others. Were tortured, 
refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They were placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning, some were sawn in half, and others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. What is faith? Grabbing on. The promise on the inside is larger than the circumstances on the outside. Yet none of them have received all that God had promised. I believe that the promises of God in our walk should be larger than ever we ever receive. And yet I find some people holding on just to a promise of God. And yet God has so many promises and waiting and waiting and waiting and saying, I'm going to get what I ordered. And God has something totally different in his divine plan he's speaking it he's talking it he's he's rehearsing it with you and many of us get so locked in because we are those people that want God's plan but we want to almost sometime you know we're the puppet and we're moving God and God goes no you're my children I'm moving you we find this in history so well recorded how God was moving Joseph to be and to fulfill that promise. Genesis 40, we pick up. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials. He put them in a prison where Joseph was in the palace of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker even, even, each had a dream. And each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they were both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one told us what they mean. Interpreting the dream is God's business. Joseph replied, go ahead, tell me your dream. So the chief bear told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he saw, I saw a grapevine in front of me. And the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom. And soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand. I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position of cheap cupbearer. And please remember me and do this favor when things go well for you. And then we find out that God did the exact same thing. To the other man, in fact, of the guard. And so I, I want to share, share with you, the chief baker had a dream and, and Joseph interprets the dream. And of course, in three days, the same thing would happen. And yet the, uh, the baker's dream didn't uh, fulfill. In fact, he was um, basically killed for uh, being unfaithful to Pharaoh. And that's not really the, the plan or, or even the, the, the meaning of what I want to share with you today is that it says two full years later, we pick up in verse 41, two full years later, even after Joseph had asked the cupbearer to remember me, to remember that I interpret your dream, tell Pharaoh who I am. Joseph has had this promise. Now we know that it's been like 13 years that this promise 
has been his life. He's been through hardship with his family. He's been through being accused and, and being slandered by Potiphar's wife. And then by Potiphar himself, he's been, uh, he's been thrown into prison again. And yet at the same time, the promise of God is larger in Joseph than the circumstances of living behind bars. What kind of bars are you living behind? Chances are they're not physical ones. But they're nonetheless spiritual bars. That's where the enemy wants you. If you were to understand who the enemy is, Satan himself, but it's not Satan himself, but it's his whole kingdom, Satan and his kingdom, that devise schemes to get you to spiritually live behind bars, that you would not live the divine nature that God has in mind so that the world might see who God is through your life. How do we do that? Well, we've been talking about it this morning. God's promises are larger than your circumstances in your life. And how, do you, how can we tell that God's kingdom is living on the inside? Because are you talking about the frustration of your circumstances? Or are you talking about the promises of God that are inside? See, people will look at you, they'll listen to you, they'll perceive, but they'll know just like it was Jacob that knew something was up going on with Joseph's heart. And last week we talked about Mary who pondered those things in her heart that was told about, you know, from all of the shepherds. Are you pondering the promises of God in your life or are you just completely meditating on the circumstances that surround you? Today I want to just share with you briefly about the disciples. You know, and their end wasn't pleasant, but the message of God lives on account of the promises of God that were in and through their life. History records Peter and Paul were both martyred in Rome in 66 AD. Andrew, the disciple, went to the land called the Maneaters, is what is now called the Soviet Union. And history records where he said he had been crucified in Greece. Thomas was probably the most active in the area of Syria. And Christians revered him as their founder. They claimed that he died there when he pierced through with spears of four soldiers. Philip, possibly a powerful ministry in Carthage in North Africa, and then in Asia Minor where he was converted and converted the wife of a Roman proconsul. And because of that conversion, the retaliation was is that Philip was arrested and cruelly put to death. Matthew, the tax collector. Probably some of the oldest reports say that he was martyred, while others say he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew had widespread missionary travels attributed to him by tradition in India and, and Thomas backed into Armenia and also to Ethiopia and to southern Arabia. There are many accounts, but all of them say this, he was martyred for the gospel. And then James, the son of Alphaeus, one of the least of the three, James referred to the New Testament. There is some confusion as to which, which it was, but this James is reckoned to have ministered in Syria. The Jewish historian Josephus reported that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. And then we talked about Simon was sacrificed to the sun god. Matthias um, was uh, sent to Syria with to death by burning. And then John, 
who, uh, is, in fact, what it says is John, the only one of the apostles generally thought to have died a natural death from his old age. He was the leader of the church in the Ephesus area and is said to have taken care of Mary, the mother. But he was arrested and gone to the island of Patmos. And many of us say that he literally survived being burned and put in hot oil. So here we are, the, the very uh, 11 of the 12 disciples who no one had greater the promises of God. This is who Jesus had literally put in his plan, his divine nature on the inside of them. And yet the promises of God went to all over the world because that's the message, is it not? It isn't so that we would receive the niceties of life. It isn't so that we would receive everything that these affairs of this life could bring. It is so that the message lives on. Are we ready for that message? Is the message and the promises of God larger inside of us than literally many of us are trying to save our own lives? In fact, I I think about it today. It seems like we're so literally uh, caught up in trying to live and stay safe from COVID, but not live his kingdom come, his will be done. I believe that we should be wise. I believe that God wants us to live another day so that the message of God has another day to be propagated. Not so that I can live, so I can enjoy the affairs of this life. In fact, the Bible says that that we shouldn't be caught up in the affairs of this life. And yet that's all I hear talk of. Of the affairs of life. Even the, I, I think that's one of the struggles I'm even having in my own mind is not to have the mind of Christ operating, but it seems like I have so much mind of the world. And there's never been such a test in my life where my heart is speaking one thing, my mind is caught up in another. And yet the Bible's very clear that a double minded man is unstable in us all his ways. So, Pastor Ron, how, what's the answer? Can you quiet yourself and hear what God is saying? I believe this is going to be the time and the season where God is going to bring his greatest um, power on the inside. He's going to call his church back. Not behind these four walls, but his church. He is going to be calling his people. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Um, Recently, I had some of my grandchildren um, I was, had the joy of being around them and, and experiencing how they're so motivated differently and how they even respond differently to their father, their mother, to their grand, grandfather, their grandmother. And recognizing that uh, one of them you could actually motivate this way, another one you couldn't, you had to motivate this way. And it really came to light as that's daddy in heaven. Daddy knows how to motivate us. And, and so many of us try to um, make everybody like robotic in the way we think and we move and we act. And yet we're so diverse and God made us that way so that we could reach others. I know that God has me on this place so that I might reach a people just as much as he has you on this earth that you might reach a people. You are not here to just breathe air. You're here to breathe the Holy Spirit in your life. And that as you inhale, you exhale who God is through your life. 
That's always been his pain. God breathed in man and man became a living being. God is breathing today that we might be living beings and that we might take on his divine nature and that this world who's behind so many bars, spiritual bars, I'm not talking about physical bars, but spiritual bars, that they might break out and it it might not just be a song that we sing, but it might be an internal life that we live. And then others would see, hey, there's something different about you. I remember those times when I was on the, on the workplace and when I was a uh, contractor. And, and, and I would try to live out, I'd pray on the way to the work sites. And, and, and they say, God, I pray a door be open unto me. I pray that you could be expressed through my life to a plumber, to an electrician, to a, a contractor, a, a construction guy, or to a roofer. And God, I pray that it, you know, and, and God would work differently. I remember wrestling with one particular, uh, literally wrestling with one particular roofer would always, you know, just mock me to no end. And I, we had this really fun moment. And I said, and I was wearing my, uh, my church clothes on, and it wasn't a Sunday, but I was in, coming out of the office, and, this, and this, uh, this roofer would always just jab me and jab me and jab me and and I, I, I knew how to wrestle from in, in high school. And so I said, look, I said, why don't you come off the roof here? And I said, let's, let's wrestle on the dirt here a minute, if we could. And my heart wasn't to put him in his place. My heart was to get him to understand that I wasn't just somebody that he couldn't relate to. And that I wasn't just somebody dressed up on the outside, this God person dressed on the outside. But it was the Lord on the inside. And you know what? We had this moment. It wasn't long in the dirt. And then after that, we had the greatest connection. And you know, I, I believe that God will have us do things that, that are just different to reach different people. You know, I can't imagine some of my sisters, please don't, I'm not talk, calling you to go out and wrestle people in the dirt. I'm not calling you to do that. But you know, I can, can, I can only imagine um, where, you know, maybe it's, it's, uh, it's hairdressing. Or, or maybe it's uh, going over there and doing somebody's nails. Or, or, or maybe it's, um, uh, you know, just encouraging them or speaking to them. Or, or guys, maybe it's coming over and, and working on some young man who never had a father figure in his life and doesn't know the, anything about working on a car. Or, or maybe he doesn't have any understanding of, of fixing plumbing. Or, or, or maybe, it's, maybe he doesn't get how to read the Bible. And, and maybe you just have a, a, a real desire. I mean, God works in so many diverse ways. And yet so many of us are so locked in. And God goes, get outside the bars. Would you please pray with me? Close your eyes. Father, I thank you that Joseph lived behind bars but he didn't he was outside God in that and the promises of Lord your promises were larger than life and they were literally outside the picture of his circumstances and father we know that in in Genesis it records later how Joseph became the second in power that promise 13 some years later came into fruition and we also know that, that Joseph's brothers came to visit him and they, were, they didn't even know who he was. And then later, Joseph reveals himself and they're fearful. And Joseph makes a statement, what you meant for bad, God always had in mind for good. 
God, I pray that we could live that divine nature. What our neighbors meant for bad, it could be that you live out for good. Lord, what, what uh, happens in our workplace, what happens with outside our workplace, whatever it be, Lord God, I pray that even those places, even in our, on, our, on the road, that what the enemy meant for bad, road rage, you turn it for the good where we begin to pray for that person we once had rage for. God, we get behind these words that your divine nature would take over us. And that the promises of God to take on, that we would be who Christ is. In this era, God, I pray that, Lord, that there would be a moving, that we would receive more of your spirit, God. So that that great outpouring, God, I pray an inpouring of our lives. So that, Lord, that outpouring we're ready for. With your heads bowed and your eyes shut. And if you're not right with Jesus right now, if you, if you have this, this heart that is fearful in his presence and not faithful in that moment, you don't have anything. God doesn't want you to fear him in his presence. He wants you to trust him in that presence. Though it can be a fearful thing to be with holy and you are unholy like I am. There's this reverence in that place. And you long for that moment in your heart and you're, there's confusion, there's, there's shame. God wants to take all of that. He wants you to get outside those bars of shame and, and fear. And he wants you to get outside that and say, I am calling you son, I am calling you daughter. Would you pray with me right now if that's you? And I want you to repeat these prayers, this prayer with me right now. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I receive your love, your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, today and tomorrow, I am all yours. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin, for my mess. Take this mess and do something great with it. I'm in your hands, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining with us today. God bless you. You are listening to Life Change Church with Pastor Ron Rands. If this message encourages and inspires you, pass it on to someone else. You can find weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts under Life Change Church Muskegon. When you share it to your social media, be sure to tag us at Life Change Church. For prayer support and more resources, visit mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer.